Everything I say, everything I do, is controlled and monitored by a spectator that I hold with the highest authority um, and importance in my mind. Everything I do must be passed through this spectator, and what it isn't, uh, what, I, I feel disjointed or, or something. And this spectator is kind of an asshole. He, uh, he always has to make sure that I am, um, in my place. Always has to make sure that, uh, I'm not, um, going in places where I'm not supposed to. Um, and why, why do I have this spectator? Well, my family, my family, I'm the youngest of five siblings. Um, one sister who is closest to me in age and three brothers uh, the oldest being um, well he's about to turn 37 this year and I'm 25 I just turned 25 in September so on some level being the youngest um, you're kind of always being monitored and controlled by the people around you because they all think that they know better even if you know they're not much older than you you're still the youngest so you don't know anything so my family um, was very, 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 very religious uh, to the extent of uh, extremism. But when you're growing up, uh, you don't know uh, if things are extraordinary or out of the ordinary. You don't know. You just accept the reality that you're given. You, th you think it's all normal. Um, but the, the, the religiosity isn't necessarily the, um, what's at fault. You know, people can have beliefs. People can choose to believe things, um, even if there aren't any evidence or if, if there isn't any evidence. Um, that's kind of the beauty of being alive is you can kind of make up whatever story you want and believe it. 
I mean, albeit that's kind of a uh, um, one of the horrors of of being alive, being a human as well, is that any lie that comes your way, um, you could end up believing it, and it, that lie could be just as real as anything else to you. And if you have no one in your life that will help you uh, determine what's real and what isn't, you can end up in a lot of bad situations just based off of that um, tenant alone. And especially if you're a child, just growing up, just experiencing the world for the first time, everything is brand new. And the way that you are being guided and directed into this world is to believe that there is a big man up in the sky watching everything you do. And we're all going to die, go to heaven, be with this man who watches us all the time. And uh, if you don't... um, do what the big man in the sky says, then when you die, you'll go to a horrible place that you don't want to go to. Um, so yeah, do it, do, uh, what the big man says. Oh, and the only way you can find out what the big man in the sky wants you to do is to go to a building where other people go who have this similar belief or fear rather. And then there's a guy on a stage um, standing at a podium with a book. And he's the one that's going to give you all the information. He's going to give you the details on what the big guy is saying. So if you don't listen to him, the guy on the stage, uh, then you're in some deep waters. You know, good luck. Um, I was not in an environment that uh, allowed a lot of critical thinking, a lot of uh, self-reflection, introspection. Um, Even though sometimes it felt like I was up to my own devices a lot as a child, it still, f- it was very much uh, a controlled neglect, if that makes sense. Like, okay, you can, we'll leave you to your own kind of uh, devices and you can go off and play video games and do whatever, you know, young kids do. But all the while, you are inside of this little bubble, um, uh, this little sphere of influence that it has been uh, set by the people that are, you know, that were supposed to be there for me to to show me uh, about the world, the nature of reality, what it means to be a person. Um, Show me what love is supposed to be, how to care for somebody, how to 
open up and express your feelings. You know, very important tools that any person should learn. Because if you don't have those tools, if you, if you don't have a way to express yourself or to open up to others, um, you're just going to let life pass you by. It's just going to be a never-ending series of uh, self-denial, um, embarrassment, self-loathing, um, and it just goes around on an infinite loop, all because you can't, you don't have the tools needed to communicate. That was the thing about my upbringing was that uh, because of the the way that I was taught about reality, what I was told about it was that everything um, that you see in the physical is not as important as what you imagine, or rather what you believe to be real, the unseen things that you can kind of determine for yourself in your mind uh, if they're there or, or not um, and I, you know of course I didn't know it but that is that just creates an incredible disconnect between you and everything because now the, your environment you, people around you, even yourself, are disconnected because of uh, a faith, a uh, predetermined set of beliefs that you have to follow. So I was, I was not given very many tools to be a, a healthy, productive person. Um, it just wasn't. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't making friends. Uh, I wasn't, um, I wasn't exploring my in interests. I wasn't, uh, I didn't even know if I had any interests. I was just kind of a a, a mix of uh, different things that my siblings said and did. Obviously, all I ever wanted to do was to be as cool as my older siblings. I wanted to do everything that they did, of course. There's a lot to go over about my childhood that uh, take probably take hours to go over everything. Um, started with the religion. Kind of a lonely childhood. Kind of just a lot of time by myself thinking thoughts kind of ruminating on 
things that just aren't important, aren't real. I, <clears throat> at five, at about five or six years old, I remember vividly um, memorizing the uh, all of the um, steps to the tribulation. Uh, which is in the book of Revelation in the Bible. And if you don't know what that is, um, Revelation depicts the end days of the world and how, how all of it's going to go down. And Jesus is going to come back and rescue the believers and damn all those dirty, filthy non-believers. And they're going to go to hell. And the people who are in the good graces of God and blah, 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 are going to go to heaven. Well, basically, before all that, um, shit gets crazy on the earth. It's basically hell. You know, the the oceans and rivers and the moon turns turn to blood red. Uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse show up and start murdering people by the millions plagues, wars, diseases, uh, genocides, what have you. So, you know, um, at five years old, I remember talking about this stuff with my parents. And I was being, my head was being filled up with these incredibly horrific things um thoughts of of you know my the realization of my mortality i remember um being that young and just sitting watching tv and suddenly i, I guess i didn't know it at the time but i was having a panic attack um you know, I couldn't breathe, and I was all all that set it off was I was just thinking about the fact that I was gonna die, and that I was gonna go and spend uh, eternity, which is what you know. That's another belief, is that eventually you die and your soul goes to heaven, and you spend an eternity in heaven with God and other people who believe in that stuff. Which, you know, uh, can you imagine what eternity is? Does that even make sense? Something that doesn't end, doesn't begin? Just forever? I remember being so afraid of that when I was a, when I was a kid. I know I don't want to go and spend an eternity in a place that I don't know where it is being dead and um, yeah just the fact I mean I used to try to force myself to believe that this is going to happen it's going to happen and there's nothing I can do about it um, these thoughts made me very anxious and worried. I don't know. I just feel like 
if you're a parent telling a five-year-old all these things probably isn't the best move i'm not a parent but i i feel like that's probably not a good idea to tell your kid all this stuff about the end of the world and plagues and death and heaven and eternity and satan and god and demons and all these invisible things flying around demons everywhere there's oh that's another phrase that they like to use spiritual warfare there's a there's a war going on that we can't see between angels and demons and they're fighting for us or about us for our souls isn't that a nice comforting thought that there's a an invisible war going on that we can't see raging for thousands and thousands of years well that's a nice bedtime story I mean, what the heck? You know, you, you grow up. You believe whatever the hell you're told. Could be anything. It could literally be whatever your parents tell you. And if you are secluded enough, if you're isolated enough, you can go a very long time in your life believing all these things that you grew up believing. And I guess that's kind of the other thing too, is like the isolation, the seclusion. I was sort of, and have been still now, it's my life has been a perfect uh, cocktail of isolation. My father... Um, was a uh, prescription drug addict. Um, he didn't want anyone to know what he was up to. So my parents didn't have friends that came over. Um, didn't really see any relatives. I mean, I saw my aunts and uncles when I was really little. Um... But as I grew up, they didn't come around. You know, never, I, I don't know any of my cousins. Not really. Um, and uh, it was kind of frowned upon to uh, have friends over, you know, from, from school. So it was, it was uh, my father kind of, setting the stage for cutting off himself and the rest of his family from, uh, I guess what you would call the common experience society. Um, the, the common experience that everyone should, uh, if, if you go out into the world, it's what you experience. Um, which by the way is 
also <laughs> also frowned upon if you're religious going out and going out into the world and experiencing anything outside of the context of God is a sin imagine that imagine imagine seeing the world as this frightening place and other people as these frightening entities that uh, you know they're outside of the belief they're outside of the protection they're sinners they're fornicators they're what have you they don't believe so we need to stay away from them so so there i mean you have a couple things right away in my childhood you have the seclusion and isolation in my home life um, because of my father not wanting anyone to uh, know how he was abusing um, prescription medication, specifically uh, benzos, benzodiazepines, painkillers, very addictive. Lyrica, I think, was one of his favorites. Just get shit-faced on a Sunday afternoon, <laughs> you know, uh, on a Sunday morning, uh, put on your Sunday clothes, put on your Sunday face, go and pretend to be normal, and then get home and pop your pills, sit on the couch and, and turn on the TV and start drooling, pass the fuck out. Um, that was the normal for me. Um, and then you have the, uh, religious beliefs secluding me even further, thinking that experiencing anything in the world outside of the context of these beliefs of God and angels and demons and sin and all this stuff was, it was bad and feared because in religion what happens if you sin what happens if you go outside of the sphere of what's acceptable what you can and can't do you know like uh, premarital premarital sex and uh, um, stealing and all these things um there is a morality to it, but it also completely alienates um, the believer to the non-believer. You're the t the two are alienated because of these beliefs. Um, it just is a separation. A, a void, an uncrossable void, unless, however, the non-believer chooses to believe, which that's a totally different thing. Well, then you're, then you're accepted. You know, as I grew up, I think around, uh, around the age of 16, 16, 17, um, 
I started to pull away from everything because my my uh, social life was in turmoil, shambles, really. Um, uh, my personal life, you know, I I was quitting. I didn't do I didn't do anything. I had no interests. I had no. Um, no like identity and i was wondering like what the heck is what the heck is going on you know um i started to pull away from the church and my mom who is definitely the most religious and strictest influence um she was very unhappy uh, scornful even well, how could I you know how, how could I just abandon everything that's good and right and I remember uh, one of the things that my mom used to say was the most important thing that she could ever do is make sure that all of her kids end up in heaven well isn't that nice Meanwhile, <laughs> all of her kids' lives are um, a wreck. You know, it, uh, yeah, it's nice that you want your kids to end up in a in a nice place, um, but but again. It, it puts emphasis on things that are imagined and it removes importance on things that are real, the physical. Removes any type of importance on what's happening to you right now in your life, physical, which is the only thing that really matters. What you imagine what you imagine holds no no water compared to what's happening around you right now in the physical because like i said you can imagine anything anything that you want at all and that imagination depending on how isolated you are could become as real as anything else so what happened to me i was uh emotionally and psychologically abused um my my mother would tell me that I was this special, special, special little boy. Um, she told me that my name is Michael, which means who is like the Lord. Um, and there was a song that they would sing in my church 
Uh, who is like the Lord? He is worthy. Who is like the Lord? Da, 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 da. Something like that. Um, I thought that song was about me. It, you know, when I was about five or six. I thought that song was about me. Because my mom would... She filled my head with this stuff about how I'm, like, this special, like, savior or something. Like, I'm this spitting image of Jesus Christ incarnate or something. Uh, And I had all these, like, special magical powers. Um, So, yeah, I I would go around everywhere thinking I was this, like, high and mighty, like, being. Uh... Obviously, that's extremely detrimental. Um, If you want to have any type of relationship with anyone, if you think that you're some god with special powers, you have some god complex, you think you're better than everyone, no one's going to want to be around you. And then, on the other hand, was my father the drug-addled what to call him he was just angry all the time drug-addled, frustrated probably someone who wasn't uh, totally satisfied with his life didn't didn't feel uh, fulfilled um, didn't, you know, in his age, being in his fifties, probably was hoping his life would turn out, would have turned out a different way. And he wanted to make sure that all of us knew how unsatisfied he was. And, um, my existence for the most part, uh, growing up was being, abused, just ridiculed, um, and demeaned. My, my dad would, uh, single me out if ever I did something, you know, um, what kids do, they, they kind of try to, you know, you, you try to exercise your autonomy at a certain age and you try to do things. Um, sometimes, most of the time you, um, do something you're not supposed to and you get in trouble that's kind of what being a kid is is, that's what happens um but i would get singled out and embarrassed for doing things um like that made to feel like i was some freak some uh um some Why Why would you treat a child like that? I don't understand. Basically, I was, I was treated like I knew what I was doing. And that I had some kind of malicious design in my head to, like, sabotage my dad or something. I, I don't know. 
Um, but he treated me like that. Like I was some schemer trying to undermine him at all costs. And he would um, ridicule me, put me down, demean me. Um, wipe that smile off your face. And stuff like that. Um, there, I mean, I have a lot of memories and I also have... Um, a lot of things that I blocked out and I, uh, one of them, and this is something I don't remember at all, but I was told it was, it, it happened by my sister, um, apparently at, in a ride, like a Cedar Point ride, um, being up very high, some kind of, uh, Ferris wheel or something. My dad apparently uh, when I was like four or five, my dad apparently took me by the ankle and hung me upside down outside the the uh, cabin and the Ferris wheel that we were in, you know, however many hundred feet up in the air. And apparently I just was screaming and panicking and my dad wouldn't, uh, wouldn't stop. Um... So I, I, I don't know how many things like that I've blocked out, but, uh, could be a lot. Some of it I remember some, you know, I remember having to, uh, take the wheel, um, as my dad, uh, slowly fell asleep while driving the car careening in through an intersection um stuff like that so there you have the dynamic oh and my siblings um didn't treat me very well either um you know you have i don't really blame them because they were in the same household that i was in but you have a group of kids who have all been abused and uh, their perceptions of reality uh, warped and skewed by these isolative religious uh, tendencies and um, I think by the time I showed up there was probably a lot of pent up frustration um so who better to kind of take out some pent-up uh frustration um than the youngest i mean what could i do to stop the mistreatment nothing Um, so basically you have not one, not two, not three, not four, but six people in my life, all older, who kind of, um, weren't there for me at all. Kind of just 
left me um, alone. And when they weren't leaving me alone, it was some kind of abuse. Some kind of, some kind of uh, temperament, some kind of social dynamic that they established for me. Like I was this peon, this tiny little thing, and uh, didn't you know? Always, always um, made to be silent. Because I'm the youngest. I don't know anything. You know? So, after a while of trying to participate, I guess, with or trying to be around, I guess I just allowed my isolation to uh, envelop me. I remember being left alone a lot as a kid. Um, especially with my mom. Uh, I mean, she was the only person that kind of made me feel special or, or, or loved. But even that was a delu like a delusional form of, of that because of the lies I was being told about who I was and all these things. So I was this miracle baby boy and all these magical powers and blah 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 so my only um my only form of or my my only um sense of like feeling appreciated and loved was out of delusion And then when I wanted to exercise my um, personhood outside of that, uh, outside of the delusions, I was seemingly always met with the um, pre-established social dynamic that I... Uh, encountered from a very young age that I was this person that should be quiet and should fade away in the, into the background and no one wants to hear what you say because you're the youngest, you're stupid and um, so yeah, when I, I mean by the time I got to school it was just, I had no chance I had, I, I was completely I had absolutely no chance. I had no tools to make friends. Um, I mean, of course, when you're when you're in second and third grade, you know, it's it's still kids are a little more. Um, less judgmental. A little bit when you're that age 
so I had I had groups of friends that I would hang out with around then but I mean as soon as you get to middle school people are already um, picking um, sides who they're going to be associated with what things you do for fun what clothes you wear um, uh, what you know how do others perceive you um, so yeah by, by, by then uh, by the time I was 13 it was just uh, I had no chance at all because um, you know I was still believing in these things about myself that I was this magical being and it is it is so weird that someone could have been programmed with this quite literally a god complex but also on the flip side have uh having been treated the way that i was um because it's it's like oh well my perceptions about myself don't line up with how i'm being treated well then the other people must be wrong they don't know they don't really know me <laughs> a typical uh growing up in school is um in middle school and high school stuff like that a typical disposition for me would be um i you know as as in someone who kind of fades away in the background not a lot of friends and stuff like that i would walk the halls thinking I'm so special, I'm so great, but people don't know me, and they should, because I'm so special and so great and so mighty, and they're missing out by not knowing me. I was made fun of a lot. Um, people didn't like me. I was probably... I mean, yeah, I was really weird because of my, um, you know, being, being raised inside of a bubble, um, not being allowed to, um, live or, uh, inside of that common experience, that common reality, that uh, most people um, live in where uh, I guess by the common reality, the common experience, I mean the physical reality that we all experience. No other ideologies or theologies or anything else thrown in the common experience, the physical. You can walk outside and uh, there are cars, there are trees, 
there are other people walking around. There are buildings. There's air. There's the sun. These are things that we all commonly experience. The physical, as is, as as is what should be focused on, in my opinion, by by people. Because if you if you spend all your time ruminating, and you spend all excuse me, if you spend all your time because if you spend all your time ruminating and contemplating and imagining um, you know, the the physical um, becomes less important. It just kind of passes you by. And meanwhile, all these things are happening, and you're just stuck in your own head. Stuck in your own little secluded existence, which is what I was left to. Uh, I basically think that um, I was probably suffering from uh, some kind of dissociative... um, disorder or something like that because uh very little um there there are sections of my life that i don't remember you know being uh i was going through a really hard time when i was 20 and 21 and i don't really remember much of those years um you know basically okay so the the um, dissociative uh, patterns that I picked up on was anytime anytime I was being abused by my dad uh, or my siblings or what have you, I would uh, in my head just peace out um, and then just go somewhere else as a coping mechanism because you know you're in your childhood house you have no money no you you can't leave you have nowhere to go so what do you do you escape in your head um so basically anytime uh, i was in a stressful situation even if it wasn't, uh, I mean, so- social anxiety is so common for everyone, but if you have social anxiety and you dissociate, basically, <laughs> anytime something stressful happens, um, you just peace out. And uh, you forget things, and people probably th- think that you're just like this really, 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 really quiet person um, that uh, just kind of seems like he's not really there. Or I don't know what people thought of me. I I probably seemed uh, really spacey um, because in any, like, like doing a... um, uh, a project 
that you had to present to the class. You know, everyone struggles with some form of uh, nervousness or fear with with that. Public speaking is a pretty common fear. But when you throw in that social anxiety and combine it with um, someone who dissociates any time that he's distressed, um, specifically in times of social anxiety, you have someone who just can't really function. You have someone that um, freezes and shakes. And uh, I, I, oh my gosh, I used to shake so much. Um, and it was all, it was all anxiety. Um, I think the biggest thing that um, I struggle with, right, even right now, is the fact that I let all of these opportunities, all these people, all these years just go by. And because, in a way, <laughs> I couldn't do anything about it. Because my dissociative personality um, was the dominant one you know there there may very well have been someone inside that was trying to get out someone who was trying to communicate and express himself and experience the world and do all these things that you know you're supposed to do um you know because i had all these opportunities it's not like my family was super um poor or anything you know my my parents did pretty well for themselves um so I, I, I had all these opportunities and I just kind of let every single one of them pass me by because I couldn't, uh, I couldn't break free from my dissociative self, the, the person that uh, just shut down, uh, the person that... Um, to, so so as to avoid ridicule and demeaning like I would receive from my father and from my siblings, the natural reaction to that is to limit the things I say and limit the things I do so as to not give them, uh, so as to not give the abusers um, any extra um, ammo to use to demean me and ridicule me. So, I mean, if, if, if you get, if you get guilt tripped and, and ridiculed for wanting to eat a bag of flaming hot Cheetos, then there's very little left after that, that you think that you can do without being ridiculed. So eventually, I did nothing. I, you know, I would be out with people and I would say nothing and do nothing. 
because I would be so afraid of the ridicule and demeaning that I was so accustomed to receiving any time that I wanted to, um, you know, not be a zombie. Um, that I would just, my default setting was to shut down. Be nothing, say nothing, do nothing. I don't know if anyone really wants to hang out with someone like that. Probably not. No, I mean, I wasn't, uh, I was not a well-liked or popular person, obviously. These things still bother me because it's like, you know, here's, I didn't know it, but I didn't know it, but, uh, there is, there was this time period in my life of unprecedented, uh, opportunity um, you know, in high school, um, you don't, you, you basically have a crazy amount of opportunities to meet people and do things and branch out and explore your interests and travel and excel. I didn't do any of that. I played hockey. And then that was that I quit when I was 16. Um, no, I, I, I didn't do anything. I played video games. I watched TV. I did not explore not one interest. Not, not during high school, no. And I didn't go to college either, so it's like, I didn't go to university. I went to a community college for a, f a, hand, a couple of semesters. Um, didn't really accomplish anything. So yeah, it's, it's just being 25. Yes, I'm still young. Yes, I could go back to school. But to have your life taken from you like that, when you're young and full of all these ideals, all this energy, uh, all this vitality, and to just let those years be wasted, because they were basically taken from me. Yeah, that kind of stings. Especially when you think about all the people that you could have been friends with, could have had a support group, uh, a network of people. You know, like, I, I don't know... Um, how many people have a lot of friends 
that carry over from high school and into their late late adult years um you know for the most part 99% of people that you see in high school you you know once you leave you don't see again i think that's a pretty common experience but to have well i mean i know one person that i still talk to um but that's it um I don't know. Yeah, and it's just my whole hometown too. You know, all the people that I grew up around and just I don't know how common that is, but to um be where I'm at now in life, where I you know, not I don't have communication with anyone that I used to know. Um it's kind of weird. I I have a lot of relationships that ended without um, closure. I actually I don't know of a single relationship I've had that has <laughs> ended uh, health in a healthy way. It's all been turmoil and tragedy and heartbreak and. I was, I mean, my uh, most recent uh, I guess you could call it romantic relationship was a nightmare. Complete and utter nightmare. The 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 set of uh, skills or lack thereof that I was given in my up in my upbringing um, basically was a perfect setup for disaster because I. I was someone who was very prone to be manipulated um, because of my spaciness. You know, people, I guess, figured out that it was very easy to kind of take advantage of me um, and manipulate me. And I was also... uh, you know, growing up, being around people, and they would, some people would take advantage of me and what have you. Um, I wouldn't know that what they were doing was bad. I wouldn't know um, the difference between the way that people are supposed to treat you and the way that I was being treated. I thought the way I was treated by people was just normal because that was my family life being kind of this person that was 
always um, subject to guilt trips and manipulation and um, fear-mongering. Um, so just kind of being in relationships with people, um, they just kind of took advantage of me. And my most recent one, um, <laughs> um, what a perfect cocktail of insanity. Because I was still at 23, I was still uh, largely the same person, still living my life for the most part in a state of denial about reality and who I was and still kind of on the fence between um, do I believe in God and do I not believe in God and do I want to go back to church so that my family would accept me and or should I try to go it alone without their acceptance because I don't want to go to church, blah, blah, blah. Still very prone to being manipulated in that state. Not, not, in a, uh, not in reality. So here comes this person who seemed normal at first. And uh, someone who could not recognize warning signs. She very quickly probably realized that she could do anything she wanted around me. And eventually I was being gaslighted and manipulated and turned around, spun upside down by this person uh, relentlessly uh, for over a year. Um, you know, obviously now I, you know, if someone started doing those things to me I would say okay I thought you were nice I thought this was going to work out but clearly not so goodbye forever but no I uh, at the time I did not have the wherewithal or the skill set to do that and if um, you give a mouse a cookie what happens basically at the end of this person's run in my life, um, my reality and my perception of who I was was so diminished and twisted and distorted. Um, I just, yeah, it, it just resulted in, in me being completely suicidal and depressed. Um, just feeling the emptiness of my lack of identity. And if you've ever felt utterly hollow on the inside... Um, it's not a good feeling. And I don't, I mean, obviously this person um, 
she had a lot of problems herself, probably had some kind of borderline personality disorder from her own set of childhood trauma that she endured. Um, but I mean, she was, she was a master gaslighter. Or maybe it seemed like that because I just couldn't fight back at all. But I don't know. Throwing punches at someone who is mentally and physically incapable of throwing a punch back, what does that say about you as a person, you know? And all these people who have, throughout my life, um, done that to me, throwing these punches at me, and I was incapable of throwing a punch back. You know, what is what does that say about the quality of the people that I was around? You know, I was a shell of a human being. And uh I don't know. I in my se- in my senior year, I didn't have any friends at all in in the building. I had a girlfriend, and she she was uh, a year ahead of me, so she was already in college, so she wasn't in the building. And in the building, uh, I didn't have any friends. I didn't do anything outside of school. Um, I had a group of ex-friends that uh, all decided to not talk to me all at once um for whatever reason something I still don't know um one friend in particular who was probably spreading um some nasty rumors about me I don't know but it seemed like everyone in the school kind of just wanted nothing to do with me and nobody none of the teachers or anybody asked me if I was okay um you know it just kind of really felt like nobody gave a single crap about me um But yeah, um, recently, like in the past couple months, um, I have, uh, because of my previous relationship, have been taking stock. You know, who the fuck am I? I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what my interests are. I don't know what I like to do. I, you know, I, I don't know what, what I have to contribute uh, in the world. Um, 
when your personhood is degraded and warped to the point that mine was, um, what, what do you do? When you think that you've been the one way your whole life and then to find out that it's not real, what do you do? What do you do? I, w I wanted to die. I wanted to just disappear. The thought of uh, continuing on with my shame and my guilt for the things that I've let happen in my life the 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 shame I just can't I can't endure these feelings you know like right now with the the quarantine um and uh, you know everything's shut down. Um, I don't have a, a a car, and I, you know, my my only friend lives in Seattle. Um, uh, and with everything that's been going on with my family and everything, I've just decided to. Um, not not be around them at all because I mean I, a while back I tried to express some of these things with them and it's just you know about as you would expect uh, it went poorly um, they they just they don't they won't listen to me um they're so rooted in these beliefs. I, I guess I should feel fortunate that I've found a way to see around th these beliefs that they still um, hold on to like it's 20 years ago. In fact, they've even doubled down on their um, beliefs. They, they've, they're now in a in a church that is even more strict and regimented um, than the last one we were in. So I feel bad about that. I feel bad for them because they, I, I just feel like they can't cope with reality. I mean, I, how how could you think yourself a healthy person when 
your whole life is being dictated to you by this little community inside a little building. And there's a guy reading a book telling you all the rules that you have to live by. And if you don't, then bad news bears. I have needed to get away from them and get away from that environment for so long. And I guess the past month or few months, um, you know, I haven't been communicating, haven't been engaging, kind of just been um, doing my own thing. Um, it's helped me uh, feel a little clearer. I've been thinking a lot of, uh, about all, all these things. It still is bizarre to think that all these things have actually happened, especially the most recent. Don't ever let yourself be gaslighted to the point where you don't even know what reality is anymore. Don't let that happen to you. It's not a good experience. Um, that's probably one of the hardest things to comprehend that it actually happened. Um, to have someone at all turns question you and your reality and make you think that what you think isn't real. Why, why would somebody want to do that to you? I don't understand. Just control. I was so easily controlled. So easily manipulated. Because that's all I ever knew. Was being... Told what to think and what to feel and... How to behave. But in reality, right from the beginning, I was being destroyed. If there ever was a person deep down inside of me, as in someone a healthy person who, who could communicate and who could relate to others and have friends, uh, be in social settings and not shut down. Uh, someone capable of exploring his interests and exploring his feelings. If there ever was a person like that, 
that existed in me, he was just snuffed out from the beginning. And I don't know if that person is in me or if he was ever there. Or maybe I just have to just kind of make a collage of what makes a healthy person and just wear it, just put it on and maybe something will stick, maybe things won't, I don't know. But as it stands right now, I, you know, no one should be this alone. This is not, I don't understand why this is happening. I'm alone. And I, you know, I've got, I've got nobody. Except for, you know, one, one friend in Seattle. I mean, it's, it, it's a crime. It shouldn't happen to anybody. This perfect cocktail of isolation. How can you not feel a little bit crazy when this is your life? When you've... When you've let things go after a certain point and now your life is just empty and meaningless. And I feel like when I go out in public or anything, I just have like this tragedy mask on my I just constantly look like the tragedy mask and people go, woo, you know, stay away. When, when the tragedy mask is like a cry for help, like come near me, please, someone. Isn't that odd how the hyper intent of something can often cause its dismissal <laughs> like like you focus on something so much and you want it to happen so bad and the more that you want it to happen the less likely it is to happen it's like it's like with dating, like if you seem too available, it's kind of a turn off. So you kind of have to like not be like super available all the time to everyone because it's like, eh, I don't want to be around someone. Seems like they're going to cling to me. and But really someone that is that way, they're desperate for someone to to look their way and acknowledge them and make 
you know, they want to feel special. So it's like, you know, any opportunity that you could um, conceivably have to, to attain that, you know, everyone wants to be with somebody. Everybody wants to feel loved and feel special and want, everybody wants to love. I believe that. Everybody wants to uh, express themselves in a positive way where they feel secure, judgment-free, where, you know, it's hard. It's hard to get that environment, you know, outside of, outside of childhood. Um... You're not at all um, guaranteed to be around. I guess I guess you're not guaranteed that at childhood either. <laughs> I was gonna say that outside of childhood, you're not guaranteed to be in a support group. But even in childhood, you're not guaranteed a support group where you can feel loved and secure. And safe but I think that when you're an adult it's an especially hard to um, procure a support group especially if you know like there's a context to everything um, especially a context to um, relationships like um it's easy to put a natural context to making friends when you're in school easy it's easy to put a natural context to dating when you're in school you have all these opportunities you have all these people around you all the time every day um in college too you know it's yeah it's a natural context we're here at school two people are here and we're learning things and we're in this building together and let's hang out but as an adult in the world you have less opportunity and your context is diminished. How many times are you going to be able to go up to some random stranger on the street? You know, I guess, especially in these pandemic times. Where so many people are unemployed. So it's like in adulthood, basically the only thing you have left to meet people is your job. So when you don't have a job... You're unemployed, you spend every day in your house or your apartment. And when you do go out, people are, you know, socially distancing, wearing masks. You know, um, how you, what, what context do you have um, to meet someone? You kind of just 
you're kind of just operate in this little bubble all the time. It's, it, it, I'm tired of, it's, I'm tired of it. It's very tiring to, to, uh, endure life like this. Not having anyone physically around. Um, you know, what are you supposed to do? What, what context can you develop? Like, hey, random stranger, I'm so-and-so. How are you? What is that? I guess it's like we are all people. And um, as much as it can seem like it sometimes, we're all the same. I mean, as much as it can seem like we're all different, uh, we're, we're all the same. You know? From place to place, everywhere you go, people are going to be the same. There is no great divide. There is no us versus them. There is no war. There is no spiritual warfare. There is no believer versus non-believer. There is no right versus left. Because we are all the same. And when there are perceived differences, it's all things that people put on. It's all things that people have put on themselves because they want to be accepted into a place. So they put on these tenets and they, they put on these ideals and beliefs, faiths, uh, clothes, hair, makeup, whatever scene there is that people can lock into and interface with, um, people will kind of just do that because being alone is hard. You know, it's it's hard to just validate your own existence when no one else is validating it. How can you not... How, how can your personality not resemble your interests or your beliefs, right? That is such a weird thing, in my opinion, in, in society, how people have to, like dress the way that they're like they, they have to look like their interests why is that <laughs> you know why do we have to look like what we're interested in or what we like 
why do we have to then it's almost like you're just taking on a persona it seems disingenuous um you know i guess that's why i never i always <laughs> i've always thought i was this like genuine um Yeah, just this genuine person, like, oh, what you see is what you get, kind of. Um, and I turned out it was. It turned out it wasn't true. Um, I was probably the, the least genuine person that you could be around. Um, because of my escape, escapability in my mind um but i always kind of thought that putting on a persona and uh wearing certain clothes doing certain things to be accepted by the group i always thought that was pointless but what do i know maybe it's just fun Maybe that's just a way for people to relate to one another. But if you if you do that and then say them over there, they don't um they're not they're not like us because they don't do what we do. They don't wear what we wear. They don't say what we say. So therefore, we can never associate with them. That's when that gets wrong that you're talking about elitism you're talking about classism everything all the isms the ha keep the keep the haves away from the have-nots right the believers away from the non-believers the rich from the poor the white from the black you know whatever it is all the isms Uh, the the young keep away keep the young away from the old you know we human beings are so uh, they they have this need to um, categorize everything including themselves we need to put a label on things or we don't understand them now I mean that's there's an there's an inherent um uh natural process like yes labels are important we need labels you know i cannot communicate i would not have language without labels you know what do you call this what do you call that uh we need that but um, I, f I kind of feel like human beings are so um, malleable and almost shapeless. Like human beings could be anything. 
because we have this higher thinking, we have this consciousness where we have this ability to think about ourselves. Um, we kind of have this ability to create anything. But yet, in this kind of vast expanse that we call reality, this infinite, this land of infinite opportunity that we all commonly share, this plane of reality that we exist on, um, we want to limit ourselves or, or put, put a barrier in place. Like, I go up to this barrier and no further because this is uh, outside of the barrier. Um, I don't belong. Um, uh, my community is not there. People I love and respect are not there, so I'm not going to go there. Well, that's nice. That's nice you have a community. That's nice that you have support. Um, and that barrier that you've put on yourself, that label, it will stay as long as um, as long as you allow it to. It'll stay there. That barrier will always be there if if you allow it to your whole life. And I, I, I kind of think that reality is boundaryless. What do I mean by that? Reality, I guess I should say consciousness, is infinite. Or it seems infinite. Because what thought can you not think? You know, even if it seems like a, something is so complex and insane, um, unfathomable, what have you, the thought exists and it's there to be had um, by somebody. Now, everyone has this um, chance uh, to kind of uh, blaze a path in their mind and go out into places that are unfamiliar. How could that not be an incredible gift?
everyone has basically infinite choices, in my opinion. You can be whatever you want, think whatever you want, do whatever you want. Uh, but uh, people live their lives within barriers, within labels, within rules. Now, I mean, obviously there are, there are um, in this common experience, this common reality, this physical reality, there are barriers and rules that are necessary. Like, uh, let's not murder each other. That's a good one. Let's not steal another guy's stuff. That's another good one. Um, you know, stuff like that. Um, but I kind of think that anything is up for debate. What am I talking about? Um, all right. Um, kind of going off the rails. I guess I'll conclude this, whatever this is. Kind of just allowing myself to talk and, um, yeah. Okay. Okay.